there we go. No one really wants to hear me talk anyway. But it's good to, it's good to be with you today. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I had a wonderful time last week uh, spending some time with Mickey and uh, Minnie. And uh, Goofy is my favorite, so I, I spent some time with Goofy, but we had a good time. Uh, just there and spending some time. I just want to say a special thank you to Pastor Chaz for filling in. By the way, I don't know what Ding Dong Gone is. I've never played that game. Ding Dong Dash. Ding Dong Dash. Okay, I've never played that game, Pastor Chaz. So if you're here last week, he, he, he started out a sermon by saying Ding Dong and then Dash, then no one caught it. And I was like, I didn't catch it either. So <laughs> I, I know, probably, you're right. <laughs> oh. You know, uh, we are going to launch into a new series of sermons uh, that are going to be talking about what we are built upon here at uh, Passion Community Church. There are three main things that we, uh, there are passions, if you will, are very important to us and what we build upon. And I think it's important that you understand who we are as a church and what we're built upon. And so we're going to go over those uh, for the first two weeks of this ser- uh, sermon series, we're going to go over these things, and then we're going to take a break in the middle of the series, and we're going to be highlighting the ministries here at Passion Community Church. And so we will be hearing from testimonies from uh, our ministries here at Passion, and uh, just hear about what the Lord is doing through these each one of these ministries, and then we'll finish up the following week with uh, who we are as a church, and kind of the future of where we're going with Passion Community Church. It's been uh, 16 years now since we planted Passion Community Church. That's an amazing thing. And, and I look out and, and see some of you are rather new. Some of you are rather old. Sorry, Christy. Uh, <laughs> not old in age, Christy, just old in, in, in relationship with us. But, you know, it's important to understand that as we look at who we are as a church and what we're built upon, it's important that each and every one of us understands that. And that we grasp a hold of what we are and who we are as a church. It's important because as a church we are called to move forward and affect our community around us. We uh, here at Passion Community Church, our tagline often is, uh, or well I should say one of our favorite sayings here that we don't use as a tagline. It's an unofficial tagline that we put the fun in dysfunctional. Uh, that is something that Jay Sisley used to say all the time, and uh, a lot of that holds to be true. Uh, but even more than that, we also have other things that we as a church love to look at, to do, and to be who we are. See, there is a vision and a strategy behind everything that we do. The Lord is wonderful to us, and He bless, blesses us every single day. But as a church, We have not only our internal vision and strategy that each one of us should have, but we also have an external vision and strategy. And it all begins with this word called faith. Faith is an interesting word, one that I think a lot of people look at. And if I would tell you, hey, what church is built upon? What is the church built upon? Most of you would probably answer some type of relationship with Jesus or faith or something along those lines. I think that is true for a lot of churches. A lot of churches stand and say that they are built upon faith, but we're going to look at this today because I think there's much more than just saying, yeah, we're built on faith, yawn, faith, you know, that's an important thing. There's much more to that in our beliefs and in who we are as individuals, but also 
as followers of Christ. Jesus calls us to have this amazing faith. He calls us to have this amazing amount of understanding and, and energy that we pour into him and his life. Now, the interesting thing about faith is that we are asked to have faith in something that we cannot see. Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, and, and he walked this earth. I don't know if he was technically here at Camp Carl 2,000 years ago. Probably not, but he was on this earth 2,000 years ago. When he was here with his disciples, his disciples had this amazing amount of faith that they could, they could share because they saw him do miracles. They saw him do the miracle at the wedding in Cana where he took water and he turned it into wine. They saw him which I think is the funniest uh, miracle that Jesus ever did, spit in some guy's eyes so that he could see. They saw a young lady who was, or a a lady who was dealing with some bleeding issues who just touched the hem of his garment and was healed. They saw Lazarus raised from the grave because Jesus prayed for him. He saw this young child rise from the grave because Jesus prayed for them. When we think about those things, we think about all the wonderful, wonderful things that Jesus has done. And it's no wonder that when the disciples talk about faith, they have this amazing amount of faith. They believe in Jesus because they saw Jesus do these works. Now we fast forward 2,000 years later and here we are in the world we live in. And we have to ask ourselves the same question that the disciples have to ask. Do we believe in what we see and read in the book that we call the Bible? Do we believe that Jesus still moves the way that he moves, the way that he moved with the disciples? This is a question that for theologians have been asking for many, many years. Do people still work in the ways that Jesus worked in when he was here on this earth? Does he, do we still do the things that Jesus did? Do we still believe that Jesus can heal? Do we still believe that Jesus can come down and touch Becky and heal her? Do we believe that Jesus can heal uh, Tammy and her kids from sickness? Do we believe? Yes, of course we believe those things. Why? Because we've seen it happen before. We've seen many amazing things happen within our church. We've seen some amazing things. I have seen amazing things in my own life. But Jesus doesn't ask us to have faith in the things that we see. In fact, faith is the belief in the things that we cannot see. We don't see Jesus on every single basis, but we know he's there. You know, the wind is blowing. Uh, yesterday I was out cutting some trees and, and brush and stuff like that, clearing some brush out in the back of my yard. And, and I was thinking, I have this huge pile, it's probably about almost 8 to 10 feet tall of sticks and brush and this kind of thing. And I was thinking, oh, man, I'm going to start a fire. It's going to be an awesome bonfire, right? And as I started to, th- as I started to think about, I'm going to put a, a flame to this and catch it on fire, the wind was blowing really hard. And then I started thinking, Maybe that's not the brightest idea. Because it isn't until you start a fire and you have a fire burning that you see the smoke rising in the air and then all of a sudden you start to see the smoke moving. You can't see the wind, but you can feel the effects of the wind. We know that there's wind. We know that it's there because we feel it. We see it rustling in the trees. We see it moving the leaves. We see it moving smoke. We see all of those things. But we would never question or ask whether wind was real or not. One doesn't have to say, do you have faith in the wind? 
No, you don't ask if you have faith in the way, and it is there because we see the movements of what's going on. When we talk about faith, what we're asking and what we're actually looking at is that we can have faith in Jesus because we see the effects that he makes on every single one of us in our lives. We see the effects of what has happened when we pray for someone and they're healed. We see the effects when we are down and out in the dumps and we pray to Jesus and he comes in and he gives us uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and he raises our eyes to the future and to the hope of what's before us. Just like the winds, we don't have to question whether Jesus is real. We just have to have faith to understand that he is there. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be reading in verses 1 through 3. Wonderful book of Hebrews. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible. This is often called the faith chapter. Let's read it together. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it people of old received their condemnation. Can you advance to the next slide because it's my... Thank you. Hold on. Go back to that. Now go up one more. (laughs) No, go the other way, Paul. There you go. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This verse in Hebrews is telling us that our faith is in things that we cannot see. Our faith is in things and the assurance of the things hoped for. Faith is like this wind. It's like the wind that blows. It's there. We know that it's there. We see the uh, uh, impact. We see the difference it makes. All we have to do is have this faith. What the writer of Hebrews is saying to us is that we have an assurance of not only the faith of Jesus, but the things hoped for. The conviction, if you will, of things not seen. Now, why would we talk about this? Why would this be the very first element of who we are as a church? Why would I bring this up? Well, the important part of this is that if we have faith, we can overcome anything in this world. Jesus is the one who comes to us. He's the one that gives us the ability. He's the one that gives us the strength to go out and do what we have to do, to do what God has called us to do. But it starts with our faith. It starts with what we believe in. What we have to understand is that if you as an individual... Thank you, sir. The only problem is you don't have my notes. <laughs> Will they be there? Okay. Sweet. Hold on. There we go. Okay. The truth of the matter is is that everything starts and ends with faith, even the faith in using a a computer that works or an iPad that works, right? Everything starts and ends with faith. 
Hebrews is the writer, as the writer of Hebrews is telling us, is that we have to have this unbelievable, this is the hope that we have. The writer of Hebrews is speaking from a, a standpoint that you and I don't understand. See, 600 years before Jesus appeared, there was prophecy that was given that he was coming to this earth. 600 years. For 600 years, God was quiet. No one, no prophecies, no, no uh, sightings of God, no, you know, God came down and he walked with the Israelites and he walked with them through the, uh, through the desert. He parted the Red Sea, he parted rivers, he, he fed them manna from heaven, he did all of these things. But then for 600 years, there was nothing. And it wasn't until Jesus came on this earth that God began to speak again, if you will, to his people. But for those 600 years, what they went through was a belief. They had to have the faith that God was still real. They had to have the understanding that God was real. They had to understand that he was there. The question that we often ask ourselves is that we pray and we don't get an answer. And we're like, is God really there? Well, because you waited 24 hours? be an Israelite and have to wait 600 years for God to answer your question. I think we can wait 24 hours. I think we can wait 48 hours. I think we can wait a a week. I think we can wait a month if we just put our minds to it and understand what Jesus is telling to us and telling the people is that, or what the writer of Hebrews, I'm sorry, is telling us is that we have to have this faith. This beautiful picture of faith is the hope that we know that God is coming through. The problem with faith today and the problem with the Christian church today is that we live in a culture that is a microwave culture, wanting something immediately. We don't want to wait. We don't want to, we don't want to have a hope for anything. We want something right now. The Bible tells us if we just have faith of a mustard seed, we can see mountains moved. Faith is the key to our relationship with Christ. It's the relationship, it's the key to all things. If we just have the faith of a mustard seed, the mountains can move. If we just have the faith that Jesus is real, we can have an internal relationship with him that, uh, uh, that lasts forever. Jesus wants us to have this relationship, but he's calling for us to have faith with him. The simple fact is that faith is the start of every relationship with Jesus. If you don't have faith, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can pretend that you do, but if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't stand before him and say, I believe, I have faith that you're real, I know that you're real, I have seen you move, I have seen you do works, and even though I can't touch you, and even though I can't feel you, I can see what you have done, I can see what you're doing in my life, and so therefore I have faith to believe. If we ask ourselves this simple question, do we have faith to believe that Jesus is real? Do we have faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do we have faith to believe that he is right now looking out for you and I, interceding at the Father's right hand for you and I? Do we have faith to believe that the Holy Spirit is here with us? Do we have faith to believe that Jesus can walk us through? Do we have faith to believe that Jesus is going to overcome all the difficulties in our life? It may not be here on this earth, but at one point we're going to overcome anything that we have. It just takes faith.
One of the very first things I hear from people often is that if I only had enough faith, if I could only really believe, well, you can. There's nothing stopping you. The only thing that's stopping you is your internal mind telling you that Jesus isn't there or allowing yourself to listen to the evil one who wants to come down and persuade you to believe that Jesus isn't real. It's okay to have questions about your faith. Listen, we're going to talk about this in a moment. It's okay to have questions about your faith, but the truth of the matter is is that we have to believe even though we can't see. If Jesus is the start of our relationship, if faith in Jesus is the start of our relationship, if Hebrews tells us what faith is, then why would that not be the very first thing that a church should be built upon? And it is. But it's more than just saying that our faith is important to us. It's more than just saying that we build everything upon Jesus. What we want you to understand, what I want you to understand, when we say that faith is important to us, we talk about faith being the core element or one of the core elements of our church. And so when we talk about faith being one of the core elements of our church, what we are saying is that everything we do is built upon the faith that we have in Jesus. We believe that a growing faith can overcome anything. We believe that if you just have faith in Jesus, you can overcome those things. Now listen, I'm not trying to say here, I'm not, I, and I want you to understand what I am not saying, and what I'm not saying is I'm not telling you that you can overcome anything in your life if you just have a little bit more faith. You can. But your faith in Jesus isn't going to overcome your issues. It's Jesus who's going to overcome your issues. You just have to believe that he's going to do the work inside of you, if that makes sense. For it is through him that we have faith. Romans 10, one of my favorite verses that I often talk about when I'm praying, says, if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we will have everlasting eternal life. What that means is that if we just believe, if we just have the faith that Jesus is real, we can have the glorious position of who Jesus and who God is. If we just understand, I think Romans and and, and Jesus does this because he wants us to not only believe inside of our heart, because sometimes you can believe what's inside your heart and you can believe something, but until you confess it with your mouth, until you open up, you're not really saying anything. If you can, you can actually tell yourself, I've done this before. Listen, just this past weekend or last weekend, I kept telling myself, don't get sick, don't get sick, don't get sick. We rode a ride at Universal and we rode the first ride and it was a Harry Potter ride and I, I know okay your pastor rode a Harry Potter ride you can think whatever you want to think it was fun and I had a good time so whether you like Harry Potter or not I'm sorry about your luck <laughs> but we rode this ride and it was one of those rides where it's kind of uh, 4D you know you're moving and you actually set in a cart that moves and then you have air blowing on you and you have all of this stuff going on it was a great ride the first time the second time, because there was no line, we decided to ride it again. In the middle of the ride, I started getting motion sickness. And I'm thinking to myself, I cannot, I'm trying to think of the polite way of saying this, I cannot lose my breakfast and lunch on this ride. And I can make myself, listen, I forced myself internally, without saying a word to anyone else, 
to not lose it, literally. See, internally, our, li- our minds can tell us things and can, we can overcome physical things that are happening inside of our body just by thinking about them. But it isn't until we confess with our mouth that it becomes real. Until we make it more than what it is. When we talk about our core element being that we, everything that we do is built upon the faith that we have in Jesus, what we're talking about is literally everything that we do starts with the faith of Jesus. The worship songs that we sing start with the faith of Jesus. The messages that, I, that we preach, Pastor Chaz, myself, and sometimes Corey, we preach from the faith of Jesus. The things that we say, the things that we believe, all start with Jesus. This is important because our life, he is the cornerstone, the foundation, if you will, of everything that we do. Nothing is built upon this place except for that starts with him. Anything outside of this doesn't really matter. Everything that we do starts and ends with him. If you have your Bibles, turn over with me to Matthew 21. Jesus, in his own words, is talking to his disciples, and he says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have, what? Faith. Jesus, is in his own words, is speaking to the disciples, and he's telling his disciples that whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Lord, I'm praying for a million dollars, and I believe in faith that you're going to give it to me. question that we have to ask ourselves as we look at this verse is simply this. When we pray, do we really believe that Jesus is going to answer our prayers? Just earlier today, we prayed for Becky, we prayed for Tammy, we prayed for uh, Levi and Lucas, right? When you were praying, did you really believe that Jesus could heal them? That they could be healed? See, one of the problems that we have as Christians is oftentimes we're praying for something that we don't really believe inside our head that it can happen. That's a dangerous place to be. We position ourselves in this place where we say, I'm going to pray that God answers this prayer, but if he doesn't, this is what I'm going to do. No, there isn't no if he doesn't. He's going to answer this prayer. We have to have faith to believe that he's going to pray, that when we pray, he's going to answer this prayer. Now, we also have to have faith to follow him when he doesn't answer that prayer the way that we want it to be answered. And instead of getting exactly what we want, if he doesn't ask us, or he doesn't answer us in that way, then we have to be okay to follow him and have the faith in him. But Jesus is telling his disciples, if you have faith, Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. Now, my question is this. If you have faith in Jesus and Jesus is inside of you, are you going to ask for ill will towards your brother? No, of course not. You're not going to ask for something in faith to Jesus that would not follow the rules and Maybe Let me rephrase that. The commands that Jesus gives to us, Jesus doesn't give us rules or Regulations. He says you can follow him if you want, but you don't have to. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He doesn't force you to do it. Why would you not? I don't know. It would be pretty silly not to follow him. But what Jesus is trying to tell us is that if we just believe in him, if we just 
center our life in him, if we allow the faith that we have in him to grow inside of us, then when we ask these things, he's going to give it to us. Now, it's okay to question your faith. It's okay to do that. I know if I would be honest with you, there's been times that I sat down and I allowed my mind to wander and get to this place and say, what if all of the, you know, I've dedicated my whole entire life to this. Everything I do is for my faith. Everything I do and say, everything is built around that. What if, what if it isn't real? I've asked myself that question before. I'm being honest with you. I've asked myself that question before. But it doesn't take me very long to see the realities of what Jesus has done in my life for me to counteract those negative thoughts, those thoughts that the devil has been given to us and telling us that this isn't real and to put him in his place where he needs to go and say, Jesus is real. And I don't need to go anywhere else. I don't need to wonder what would happen. I don't need to question those things. It's okay to question those things, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is real. Because I've seen the impacts, I've seen the effects that he's had in my life. Effects or effects, whatever. We've seen the differences he's made. I've seen the differences he's made. Now, one of the things that I also love about this is that as a church body, a family of believers, when you have a question about your faith, it's okay to come and say, listen, I'm questioning this. I need your help. It's okay to have people around. That's what the church is here for. That's what we are. We're family. So that when we go through an event, when we go through a time when we're questioning, when we're questioning our faith or we need more faith, that's what we're here for. We need to be people that come together by side by side to answer the questions, to be there and say, no, you don't have to question because this is what Jesus is doing. When I look at the life of my brother and see what Jesus has done in him, it encourages me to see what he can do inside of me. When I see Jesus heal and when I see Jesus bless other people in the church, it encourages me to continue going on and on and on. That's what faith is supposed to do. That's what the faith of a body of believers, a church, is meant to do. It's encouraged for us, it's encouragement for us to grow, to move forward in faith, to see each other. So when I'm when I don't have the faith I need, I can look at my brothers or sisters and see what the Lord is doing in them. I'm not jealous of what God is doing to them. I'm happy with what God is doing to them. And it encourages me to continue on because what God is doing in their life, I want him to continue to do in my life as well. We need people who above all else encourage each other to grow in their faith, to challenge each other, to not sit still, but to be constantly growing in our faith in him. This doesn't happen by one person. It is a combined effort of all of us to grow in our faith and grow closer to him. We need each other, and we need the faith that each other has to continue growing in what God wants us to do and where he's calling us to go. Let's turn back to Hebrews Chapter 11, but we're going to be just a little bit further down, starting in verse 6. Verse 
Verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is, seems to be simple at first, but let's pause here just for a moment and say, the, he, the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, and without faith it is impossible to please God. There is nothing that you and I can do, nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. It's only the faith that we have that Jesus died on that cross for us that makes it possible for us to have a relationship with him and a relationship with God the Father. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. At this verse, when I read this, I sometimes wonder why I am a Cleveland Browns fan. I know, I'm making the Steeler fans happy, right? A Super Bowl does exist for the Cleveland Browns some point in our life. It could even be this year. Yeah, could be. Have faith. Have faith, that's right. Have faith, brothers and sisters. Come on, preach it. No. The truth of the matter is, is that... We must have faith to draw near to God. You have to have faith in something, in him, to see him. If you don't have faith in God, if you don't have faith in Jesus, then what's the point? If you don't allow the faith of God to work inside of you, to grow inside of you, then why are you here? Why are you spending your time on a Sunday morning in a church listening to a pastor preach about faith if you don't have it? Because you need it. That's why you're here. You've got to have faith. I sound like, what is it? Uh, got to have faith. George Michael, yeah. There's always an 80s song tied to a sermon somewhere. I've got to tell you, right? <laughs> I'm showing my age now, Christy. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is the writer of Hebrews is telling us that if we don't have faith, it is not only impossible to please God, but we can't draw near to him. And that's a sad place to be. I want to take this one step further, though. I believe the writer of Hebrews is not just talking about a faith of the unbelievers. I think he's also talking about the faith of the believers. What are you going through in your life that you don't have enough faith that you can draw near to God for? But you don't understand. I have faith that Jesus died on the cross. I have faith that he did all of this. I have faith that he's going to bless me. I'm going to give him everything. But I don't have faith that he's going to help me financially. I can't give him my tithe. I can't give him my money because I don't have enough faith to believe that he's really there. I believe that Jesus heals. I believe that he wants to do some wonderful things in our life, but I don't know if that he's going to heal me. 
See, I believe the writer of Hebrews isn't just talking again to the unbelievers, but I believe he's speaking to all of us and saying, it's not just having the belief that Jesus died on the cross, it's also walking in that faith every single day with every single thing that you're going through in your life. What are you going through in your life today as followers of Christ that you don't have enough faith to get over? Because every single one of us in this room, if we were honest with each other, has something that we're struggling with right now. The answer to that is that we need each other. We need each other. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. I was going to say it was my favorite verse, but I've said that three times already today, and so I guess I can't say that again. The whole entire Bible is my favorite verse. How's that? Matthew 28, Jesus' last words to the disciples says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Go, therefore. Why should we go? Why does Jesus send us out? Why is the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples is to go out? Why? Because he knows that his disciples have seen him, that they have the faith, they have seen these miracles, they have seen Jesus work, and so now he wants them to go out and install the faith that they have in other people. Discipleship is the key to what Jesus is saying here. Discipleship is the key. See, see what we often miss is that this word discipleship that Pastor Chaz and I harp on and preach about and talk about and, and stand on and do all of these things... I don't know how many times I've said discipleship that each and every one of us needs to be in a discipleship relationship because we do. It's important. Why? Because that is how we grow in our faith. That is how we see each other. It's hard for us to have faith that Jesus is going to overcome something in our life that we have never overcome ourselves or never seen Jesus overcome. When I pray for someone to be healed, I am praying from the place and the location in my life where I have seen people be healed as I prayed for them. Whether you want to believe it or not, I have seen stitches fall out of someone's arm as we prayed for them because they had a gash from their thumb all the way up here. 120 stitches, and we counted every single one of them. As we prayed, we saw the stitches fall onto the table. And you want to talk about something strange? That was strange. But I can come to you and I can say, when I pray for my sister Becky, when I, my, my sister Becky, I feel like I'm in an old Southern Baptist church. My sister Becky, let's go now, come on. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Becky. Uh, I don't, <laughs> don't want to bring back any nightmares for you there, girl. But um, <laughs> when I pray for her, I, I pray from the stance and the place where I know that God can do those things because I've seen him do those things before. Why can I stand in that place? I can stand in that place because I've seen it happen. So when I'm in a discipleship relationship with someone and I'm teaching them how to pray, what am I praying for in the place? Not that I am better than them, not that I'm better than any of you. I'm not. I'm just another human being that have experienced them. But discipleship is about experiencing what Jesus has done in our life so that we can share it with someone else. If you question something in your mind or you need to grow in your life, then you need to have someone in your life that you can look towards that can disciple you and help you have the faith that they have so that they can continue to grow. That's what discipleship is all about. By the way, as your pastor, I have disciples 
I am a disciple of other people. I submit myself to other people because I want to learn to grow even more than what I am here. I have men in my life that I submit myself to so that I can learn even more. Jesus tells his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. The second part of this verse is very important, teaching them to observe. How can they teach? They can teach because they have experienced. Jesus has taught them. And so now they're going to teach. But this last Verse, and behold, or this last sentence, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is telling his disciples to go and to know that he's with them. When we're going through things in our life, sometimes it feels like we're alone. Let's be honest. Sometimes we're going through troubles and we're, we feel like we're alone. But guess what? You're not alone. If you're alone, it's because you have separated yourself from everyone else and you have chosen to be alone. You're not alone. We are a family of believers here in this church and we believe that we are with each other and that we have the faith and we are here for each other and we need to continue being in that place. See, the truth of the matter is it's impossible for you or anyone else to please God without faith. I say this again because Jesus teaches us to walk in that faith, to know that. So how can we grow in our faith here at Passion Community Church? Faith is being one of our key elements, is one of our core elements of our church. We have to understand that not only is faith something that we believe in, but it's faith in something that everything that we do, faith in Jesus. The very first thing is be active volunteer on Sunday morning. I know everyone's like, oh... This is just a ploy for pastor to get more people to do something. Yeah, well, kind of, maybe it is. The truth of the matter is, is that every Sunday, we see God move in the sound system here. <laughs> Sometimes it's at the hands and the skills of, of uh, Jeremy and Chad and Paul. <laughs> Sometimes it's through the prayers of our praying to God, going, God, you've got to take care of this because we don't know what's going on. But it's not just that. It's part of it. But it's not just that. When you volunteer with something, when you volunteer, you get to see and experience things that you've never experienced before. The majority of people who come to a church, and I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about any church, comes into the church and they see the wonderful thing that it is, right? Chairs are set up, the instruments are playing beautifully, the the slides are working correctly, most of the time, the internet doesn't work. Uh, I mean, works. And, and we have all of these things that happen, right? And they seem to just operate. Well, behind the scenes, God is moving. Both in terms of God moves and miracles happen, but also he moves in the relationships that you build with each other. Whether it's through Sunday school or playing on the worship team or setting up chairs or greeting at the door, you're starting to build a relationship that's more than just being here on Sunday morning. And what happens in those relationships is that when you are in a relationship with someone, you get to rub shoulders with them, 
and you get to see the faith that they have and you begin to have conversations with those people and you get, begin to hear what God is doing in their life that you may not hear on a Sunday morning and faith begins to grow. So what I want to encourage you to do is think about this. There are many things that you can do. Listen, we need people who want to be greeters. We have people that, if you want to help out with children's church, we definitely could use that. If you want to help out with sound, you can help out with sound. If you want to clean, you can clean. I I don't care your skill set. I don't care what you can or can't do. If you have an interest, if you have a desire, we can plug you into a place here. Just think about it. Let Let me plan a three weeks vision into you now. In three weeks, I was going to talk about this, but just think if you're a new visitor and you show up and there's someone in that nice little house out there that's waving a flag and saying, hey, welcome, and they're really encouraging and they're really upbeat. Just think how welcoming that would feel to someone who comes in to this place. That would be really cool. If you like to cook, hey, listen, we like to eat. You can cook muffins and donuts and anything, and no one's going to complain about that. You're more than welcome to do that. Every Sunday, if you want to, I'd be happy with that. Being an active volunteer on Sunday morning, happy, and it's not just a Sunday morning, by the way, but Sunday morning is our primary service that we have here. But be active with something. Be active with the church, and you begin to build those relationships. And, oh, by the way, guess what? Your faith will grow, and as your faith grows, so will everyone else's because you'll begin to see God move. The second part of this is discipleship. I kind of mentioned this, but I want to stress this one more time. We often talk about this term, but every single person should be in a discipleship relationship with someone. You should, be, you should not only be discipled by someone else, but you should be discipling someone as well. It is the way that, listen, the quickest way to learn your Bible is to have someone ask you a question that you don't know. <laughs> what happened one day? Uh, I don't know. Can I come back to you in a week? Pastor Chaz, what happened there? <laughs> the quickest way to grow in your faith is to be discipled by someone else and the quickest way for you to grow in your faith is to disciple someone else. There's no question about it. It's something that each and every single one of us to do. If you want to grow in your faith, then you need to be discipled. No questions, no arguments. There is no way to argue this. This is the quickest way. I love our Sunday mornings. I love preaching. I love being in front of all of you. I love being here. I love being part of a family. I love being, you know, yesterday uh, we had men's breakfast at my house. And sorry for all of you men that missed it because guess what? We had bacon. And when I say bacon, we didn't have a little bit of bacon. We had lots of bacon. We had sausage. We had waffles. We had eggs, we had cinnamon rolls, we had fried potatoes. It was so good. But you know what was even better than the food? And I like my food, believe me. It was the relationship and the time that we got to spend with each other, just sitting and talking. Being in relationship with each other. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what being in a church means. That's what it, we are called to do. The next way is join a small group. Again, as much as I love Sunday morning, as much as I love what I'm doing, it's not until I'm part of a small group that you really, listen, how many of you know that Christy is a, te- uh, uh, a teacher? I was going to say a teacher. She's no longer a teacher. How many of you know what school she teaches at? A few people do, right? 
Now, how many people know that Christy roots for the wrong football team? <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry, Christy. You know, it is the first day of NFL football season, so I got to get a few of these in, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Chaz's shirt, by the way? Yeah. Okay. No, but there's things, there's, but I could ask you other questions. How many of you know Christy's brother and his name? Some of us do. Corey just goes, Christy has a brother? (laughs) See, these are the types of things that you don't get in a big church service like this, right? There's only so much time we have. Most of us arrive at 1035, even though church starts at 1030. um, And we come running, and I'm kidding, that was a joke, and it didn't go over very well, but that's all right. But we come in, and what do we do? We immediately go to our seats. We say hello. We do, we do the average, hey, Christy, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Do you have a good week? Yeah, I had a great week. Really? She probably had a terrible week, but she's not saying that. She's not getting into any of that, because who wants to sit around for 20 minutes before church begins, or Christy has to run up on stage to sing, and so we don't get into a, a relationship. Guess what small groups do? Small groups give you this intimate time, home groups, ladies' group men's group, youth group, any other type of group that you want to form, you can form it. It gives you that opportunity to relate with each other, to have a relationship. By having a relationship with each other, you begin to hear what God is doing in their life, and so therefore your faith begins to grow. It's being active. It's being part of this. We know this to be true with everything else. You don't have friends that you don't spend time with. You formed a friendship with them because you spent time with them. You formed a relationship with them because you spent time with them. Now, unless you live in India or somewhere like that where marriages are arranged, you spent time with your wife or your husband before you got married. You begin to know who they are. You begin to know what they like. It's a relationship formed The majority of growth in our faith doesn't happen on Sundays. As a pastor, that's really hard for me to say. But the truth of the matter is, is that's true. The majority of our faith grows outside of this church. It doesn't grow in here on Sunday morning. I hope on Sunday mornings that your faith grows and that you hear something that challenges you and you go home and you study it and you um, relive or rehear the message that we gave. But the truth of the matter is is that most of our growth and our faith happens outside of this building. This doesn't diminish at all what happens here, but it just also rises the importance of what happens in small groups. The relationship. You know, I talked about home groups. I talked about men's group and ladies group. How about CR? I'll take your payment later, Pastor Jess. Um, No, I'm kidding. You don't have to pay me. My payment is seeing what is happening at CR, the changed lives. If you go and spend time on a Monday evening with Pastor Chaz and see what's happening at CR, you'll see some pretty amazing things that are going on. A lot of those things happen outside. See, small groups are challenging. They challenge us not only to get to know each other, but it also challenges us to deal with the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups, the things that we have going on. Where else can you go and study theologians that are uh, way over your head and tozer and you read it and you're trying to figure out what he's actually saying with a group of people? That's what we did with Home Group Plus. Join a small group 
be part of that. And the final one is take part of an outreach. Yeah, that's really good, Pastor Jason. You're saying that because next week is the balloon affair and you need help at the booth. You're darn skippy, I am. No, the truth of the matter is that, listen, we do outreach. Why do we do out? We're going to talk about this a little bit more in coming weeks, but we do outreach because it is an opening of a discussion with a person that doesn't know who you are or what you're doing. Whether it's a pancake breakfast, whether it's a uh, uh, cotton candy that's going to make your kid all sticky and colorful and all of those things, was a bag of popcorn. When you give that to someone and someone goes, what are you, why, what, huh? You're giving something away for free? Yes, we are. Why? Oh, I'm glad you asked. We're giving away because God loves you. What do you mean he loves me? Well, yeah, God loves you. Don't, do you know who God is? Do you have a relationship with him? That's what an outreach is all about. That's what it's supposed to be. But when you take a step of faith and you step out on that ledge and you put yourself in that place where you have to share with someone, guess what it does? You grow. You begin to grow. You begin to, to say, oh, okay, so it's not too bad. That person didn't take the bag of popcorn and throw it back in my face. <laughs> they actually took it and said, okay, thanks. Lo and behold, you're at an outreach and someone says, you give them a bag of popcorn and all of a sudden you see tears streaming down their face and you begin to pray for them. I shared this story many times. I'll, sh- I'll continue to share it many times. I'll never forget the outreach we did with the Christmas wrapping paper when I knocked on that door and that young lady opened up the door and I said, Here's a roll of wrapping paper. Why? Just because God loves you. She looked at me and she started to cry. She started to weep. And she asked me to come inside. I walked inside her house and on her table was a loaded handgun. I won't tell the rest. I'll tell a portion of the story, but it's times like that when your faith really grows, right? <laughs> when you walk into a room and there's a gun on the table. She proceeded to look at me and she goes, you don't understand what I just did, that gun on the table? And I say, yeah, I see it. That's right, can we put it away? Uh, That gun on the table was meant for me to kill myself. And I was just sitting here contemplating and I began to pray and ask God, if you're real, you you need to tell me that you love me. I need to hear that you love me. And it wasn't five minutes later I'm knocking on the door, handing her a roll of wrapping paper saying, God loves you. You want to talk about faith that grows? Man, I could have probably walked on clouds when I come out of that house that day. When you're part of an outreach, when you're part of something that we do here as a church, when we're out there, what we're doing is we're sharing our faith that we have with Jesus with other people. Sometimes you're going to get people that say, no, thank you, and they walk away. That's fine. Sometimes you're going to get people that are very thankful, but they go to another church. That's fine. This isn't about coming to our church. It's about winning them to the kingdom of Christ. Sharing with them what God has done in our lives. It's a challenge, but God challenges us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. These three things, four things, I'm sorry. Be active, volunteer on Sunday morning, discipleship, join a small group, take part of an outreach. Do you notice that I never once said, creed your Bible or pray? Why? Does your faith grow when you read your Bible and pray? Absolutely it does. But as a follower in Christ, if you call yourself a Christian today, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and you believe that he has won 
eternity in heaven for you, then you should be reading your Bible and you should be praying. That is a given. These other things as a church that we can do to encourage each other to grow in our faith. We need to grow in our faith. We need to grow with each other. As a family, we need to grow together and grow in our faith. Each and every one of us needs to go to another level, to take it up to another level. May I encourage you to be part of one of these things. Be active. Join in a discipleship. Join a small group. Take part of an outreach. The truth of the matter is this is just one of the three things that we build our our church upon. This is just one of the three things that we talk about. We're going to talk about the other things in coming weeks. But this is the most important thing. Because faith in Jesus, our faith, as our faith grows, we can see mountains move. You have mountains in your life that you have to overcome? I know I do. Then just have faith to see those mountains, and those mountains will move. They will part, and God will be with us. Will you stand with me, please? Twenty years ago, yesterday, I was on a plane. I was sitting in the airport at Cleveland Hopkins Airport, and I was getting ready to fly to New York for work. It was September 11th. It was in the morning. It was 8-something in the morning. Our flight was supposed to take off at 8.50-something. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day because as we sat on the plane, the pilot comes across and says, we're going to be delayed for a little bit. Just relax. Sit back. And then someone turned on their cell phone and we heard the news of what was happening. At that point, I'm sitting on a plane getting ready to fly to New York and all we're hearing is that planes are crashing into buildings. And the last thing I wanted to do was be on a plane. (laughs) I wanted to be off that plane. I wanted to be anywhere but in that plane. The pilot comes on board and he goes, I'm not sure they're going to get cleared for takeoff, but we may be cleared in the next five minutes, so just keep your seatbelts on. We're going to get ready to go. And I sat there in my mind thinking, I have to have the faith to believe that the pilot can do his job and that there's no one else on this plane that's going to hijack this plane. Want to talk about growing faith? I never prayed so hard in my whole entire life as I did that morning. Five minutes later, the pilot comes on board and he says, you can go, we're going we're gonna to go back to the airport because I can't tell you what's going on, but we're not flying to New York today. So we pulled up and we got off and as we got off the planes, we got to see what was going on all around us on the news reports. <clears throat> I bring that story up to you because... I not only had faith in the pilot that if we were going to take off, everything was going to be okay, but I also had faith in my God that he was going to protect me no matter what happened that day. It was an experience that I went through, and I tell you, I fly planes differently today. When I'm on a plane and I'm flying somewhere, I am looking around at everyone that comes on that plane. Faith is, can grow if we put ourselves in those positions to grow. I would have never had the comfortable factor of flying or traveling like I did if I hadn't gone through that experience. And today, 
I have that experience. It changed me forever. I share that with you as a model of what faith can do in your life. It can change you forever if you only believe and allow it to change you. If you only believe that Jesus is real, if you only rub shoulders with someone who's near you. Listen, as a church, we experienced just a wonderful blessing with Corey and Lena. We prayed for them. We were praying for them to have a child. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and didn't seem like it was going to happen. And lo and behold, now she's in her third trimester and ready to be done, I think. (laughs) I remember the very first time I saw Becky and Paul and they came to me and they said, they told my wife and I, the doctor told us we'll never have kids. I said, well, the doctor's not God, but okay. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Guess what? You see the impacts of that prayer? We've had men and ladies who have overcome cancer. We've had many things happen. All of these things happen because we have the faith to believe. That is the faith that we need to build upon, that we need to go to the next level. Each and every one of us in this room needs to take our faith to another level. So I want to encourage you today, whether you're here today and you don't have any faith, and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, and today is the day that you can start that, then start it. Or if you're here today and you've had a relationship with Jesus for all your life, but you are going through things in your life and you don't seem to be able to overcome them, then just believe and have faith. Go to someone. Tell them. Listen, as a church family, you can go to someone and say, I'm having trouble. I'm struggling with this. Let's be the family that God has called us to be so that we can grow in our faith. Will you pray with me, please? I'm sorry. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. Lord, we don't deserve what you give to us. But you give it to us anyway. Father, we need your help. We ask you today in this very place that you help us to grow in our faith. Lord, you know faith is the cornerstone of what our church is built upon, but we're asking you in this place right now to help us to grow, to go further, to take it to another level, Father, to go further than we've ever gone before. Lord, I pray some of us, all of us in this room have questioned our faith. Some of us are struggling Lord, I pray that you just come down right now and you touch those that need that that injection of faith in their life. We know that you're real. We know we've seen the impact of what you have done and what you are doing. We just thank you for that, Father. We ask you, Lord, in this place, help us to share with with each other the faith that we have, to see faith grow. Lord, you are wonderful. You are awesome. And I just want you to receive all the glory and honor. But Lord, we ask you to help us grow in that faith that we need. Be with us today. We apologize, Father. We repent of the times that we haven't had faith to go through what we're going through. But we ask you in this place right here and right now, let us go through it together. Let us grow in that faith. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.